in part one, we discussed how wisdom is older than the universe itself and a fundamental principle to its design. There is not an aspect of God's creative order that isn't touched by wisdom's hand. But what or who exactly is wisdom? Was wisdom a created being of some sorts? Was wisdom a, a concept or a construct? Was wisdom actually Jesus? Well, we have some clues in the immediate passage of Proverbs 8, but as is often the case, the body of the evidence pertaining to what or who this wisdom was is revealed progressively in the pages of Scripture, particularly in the New Testament. So stay tuned as we take a closer look. We first discussed how wisdom is older than the universe itself and a fundamental principle to its design. This was the first principle we considered from Proverbs 8 while seeking to answer the question, why did wisdom laugh? In this episode, we will consider the next two principles. So here's the second principle. Wisdom was by God's side during creation. In the poetry of Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom, personified as an excellent lady, says that she was right next to the creator, like a master workman, verse 30 says. This was essentially an architect or an engineer, an artisan, assisting the creator with the process. This role speaks to excellence and order, precision, and rationality. In fact, if all of those qualities were a person, then wisdom would be that person. So, in essence, the wisdom that is personified in Proverbs chapters 1, chapter 3, and chapter 8 is a poetic way of describing the character of God by which he created the universe. So it's easy to see why some early scholars would have concluded that this was a reference to Jesus Christ in a pre-incarnate state. However, most scholars today believe that this was not Jesus Christ in bodily form. Jesus Christ was, in fact, the incarnation of that divine person through whom Christ made the world. Consider these New Testament passages that reveal more about this role in relationship. Consider John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, it's the Greek word logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, was not anything made that was made. So again, we see this eternal logos, which is referring to the person of Jesus Christ. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. This is again John 1, 1 through 3. Let's consider Paul's writings, 1 Corinthians 1. For since... In the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. But we preach Christ 
crucified. Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That was 1 Corinthians 1, 21 through 24, and verse 30 and verses 30 through 31. Let's consider Paul's other writings in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. Christ Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It was quite a clear teaching, a clear theology on Christ as the creator, for by him all things were created. That was Colossians 1 verses 15 through 17. The next chapter in Colossians, Colossians 2, we read, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's Colossians 2, verses 2 and 3. And then the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 1 states, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. And listen to this. Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the world of your hands. Again, that is Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, and also verse 10. And then finally, in the book of Revelation Revelation 3, verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. The Apostle Paul describes this role and relationship as a mystery, as Colossians 2. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ, God's eternal word, or the Logos from John 1. Everything in creation was made for him and by him. Christ is also God's eternal wisdom and power. He was and is God's cosmic mediator. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Colossians 1.17 The wisdom of Proverbs chapter 8 is the very eternal wisdom of God that would be bodily lived out in the person 
and work of Jesus Christ. So wisdom as a master workman was by the creator's side during the creation of the universe. This brings us to the third principle from Proverbs 8. Wisdom was God's delight. The workman beside the creator, his very wisdom was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. That's from Proverbs 8. The idea of delighting and rejoicing speaks to joy and satisfaction. God, before creating the universe, delighted in himself. God in his very essence is joy and delight. And in the original language, delighting and rejoicing carry the idea of laughter, uninhibited, uncaused, uncreated laughter of delight. God was satisfied first and foremost with his own character and wisdom, a wisdom that was on grand display in the creation of the cosmos. So think about this reality for a moment. Before the creation of the heavens and the earth, before the oceans and mountains and animals and humans, God was delighting in himself. He was satisfied with his work in creating the cosmos. You remember from Genesis 1, after God created the earth, it says, and he saw everything that he had made and behold, It was very good. This speaks to God's delight in his creation, in his handiwork. It also speaks and points to God's self-existence, his otherness. He's not dependent on anything or anyone. You can study this more in John Piper's classic book from the early 1990s, The Pleasures of God, Meditations on God's delight in being God. And in discussing creation in Christ, Piper writes, so when the Bible teaches that creation expresses the glory of God, we must not think merely of the glory of the Father or the glory of the Son, but rather the glory that they have together. And the glory that they have together is that overflowing mutual joy in each other's perfections. So creation is an expression of the overflow of that life and joy that the Father and the Son have in each other. The Son and the Father are equally glorified in creation because creation is the overflow of gladness that they have in each other. So the first and most basic statement that we can make about why God rejoices in his work of creation is that creation is an expression of his glory. And again, this is from John Piper's book, The Pleasures of God. God's Creation, as we have seen, reveals his incomparable wisdom. Psalm 104.24 says, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The Lord delights in the expressions of his wisdom, and this has direct 
implications for you and I, for our lives and for our work. This is the reason why you can go to places like the La Fortuna Waterfall in Costa Rica and just laugh. That waterfall is a display of the very glory of God, the very glory of the Father, the very glory of the Son and their mutual joy that they have in each other. And he puts that on display for us to see, for us to enjoy. And this has direct implications for us. And in the next and final episode in this three-part series, we will consider why wisdom is needed in every aspect of our lives. Well, thank you again for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you find it helpful or interesting, would you do two things? Would you, one, would you share it with a friend or a colleague? And two, would you take 30 seconds to leave a rating? That's it. Just 30 seconds, but it really goes a long way. Also, this episode went out by email, and if you are not a subscriber yet, you can go to the website, wisdomcalling.org, and sign up there. I only send out emails maybe once or twice a month. And if you are on Instagram or LinkedIn, make sure to follow Wisdom Calling there. I often post a lot of different content on those pages. And finally... I want to remind you about the Wisdom Calling devotional series. In episode 9 of this podcast, I provide a whole overview of the devotionals. I am currently working on a series of devotionals designed for Monday to Friday. They take about 15 minutes to work through. And in them, I'm tracing the theme of wisdom all throughout the scriptures and following the chronology of the Bible. So I start in Genesis and will eventually go all the way through to Revelation. Each volume has 30 devotionals. Currently, volume one is available on the website or on Amazon. And volume two will be available on March 15. So stay tuned for that release. By the way, the devotionals are also available in Kindle version and there are discounts if you order 10 or more copies. So reach out to me if you have any questions. Well, that's it for now. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, grace and peace.